Hello, I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 87 of Theater Forward. Uh, this week's conversation is about that added piece of equity, diversity, and inclusion, and that is accessibility. We are joined today by uh, Forward's Director of Audience Engagement, Samara Seferic, and Robin DeCourcy. And I'd like to tell you just a little bit about Robin. She is a neurodivergent accessibility and inclusion specialist, currently working as the accessibility coordinator for the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis. In addition to a self-designed BS degree in liberal arts and autism studies, Robin obtained a certificate in autism spectrum disorders from the University of Minnesota Twin Cities. She has been a disability professional for over 15 years and is a regular speaker, writer, and consultant for a wide range of organizations across the Midwest. Welcome, Samara and Robin. Thank hello. you. Hello, hello. Uh, Samara, let's start with you. What do you do at Forward Theater? Oh, what a great question. Uh, so I'm the director of audience engagement. And um, in short, I work to support all of our audience, our subscribers, our single ticket buyers. Um, as a resident company of Overture Center for the Arts, I work with their box office quite a lot through their ticketing to build the season, create systems, um, work on the subscription sales and support. The other part is that I just have the opportunity to engage with our audience. I speak to them over the phone, um, in the Playhouse when we're there, I answer questions and help troubleshoot. Um, I, I, you know, during the pandemic, I was sort of the forward facing through email and phone. And that was just such a delight to be able to support our audiences and, and help them navigate things like our online work. Um, I learn about our audience. I ask questions and I, and the other part is exploring who's not in our audience and why. So thinking about are we representing our demographics of our community? Um, something else that I love to think about is who is our playwright speaking to? So who does she want to have hear the story? And how can we make sure those people are seeing the show? And then the IDEA work is another big part of my uh, of my role at Forward. So we have our EDI, our anti-racism work, and then what we're talking about today with accessibility, which has been a joy this year to explore. Robin, how about you? What do you do at the Guthrie? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, I am the accessibility coordinator at the Guthrie Theater. That is a role that falls under a larger, the larger auspices of our guest services team. Uh, I am a manager of this guest services team and our, that team in general is responsible for making sure that every single person who comes to the Guthrie in Minneapolis, regardless of whether they're a patron with a ticket to the show, a visitor or tour group, uh, a, a vendor, one of our colleagues, or, you know, uh, just a community member who needs to use a public restroom or needs a break from the weather or just wants to come and 
and, and relax in a really beautiful space that those folks feel welcome that the first minute they walk through the door and throughout the duration of their visit at the Guthrie, that they feel welcome and accepted and that that we we want people to be there. Um, and then more specifically, uh, my role as accessibility coordinator on this guest services team, I am primarily concerned with our disability services. Um, so that, that uh, comprises overseeing all of our everyday accessibility practices and services, as well as coordinating the many, many moving parts of our access performances. Um, and again, a lot of that is working, looking outwards at our patrons and our audiences and our visitors, but there's also to a lesser, no less important, but to a lesser extent, looking internally at, at how we, how we as an organization regard accessibility and disability. Um, I, as a neurodivergent, multiply disabled, chronically ill person, um, I bring that these identities and these lenses to every interaction I have at the Guthrie. And, you know, as an example, I'm on our safety committee, our internal safety committee. So um, in that in that vein, uh, anytime there's discussions about, say, de-escalation practices or evacuation procedures, I am somebody who is always thinking about what are we doing? What is at any given staff person doing in these instances to make sure that our my disabled peers, patrons, visitors, colleagues are are safe and are treated with respect and dignity? Um, so yeah, that's you know, Robin, we're um, we have had a lot of these um, accessibility services in place at at the Overture Center for the Arts. But really, it's Samara that's kind of taking this and and making it better for our patrons. Um, but it sounds like the Guthrie, um, obviously a bigger organization, been around for a lot longer than Forward Theater. 60 um, years. <laughs> 60 years. And, and we're in our 14th season. Uh, yeah, so you, get I'm sure, have a <laughs> lot more accessibility services uh, than we do right now. And I'd love to know what, what you offer in terms of those services. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, this is our 60th anniversary season. Just putting that out there. Congratulations. Um, oh, thank you. I've not been around for all 60, but you know, I'm here now. <laughs> um, we really, we really do a lot at the Guthrie. Um, and this is something I, you know, I'm stepping into this role. I've only been in the Guthrie full time for a year, been involved as an outside consultant in other aspects since 2018. But I am stepping into a really long, decades long tradition of really prioritizing accessibility um, for for decades now. Accessibility has has been a priority. It's not an afterthought at the Guthrie. And again, I am building off the work of, of a lot of other folks. Um, I want to especially shout out Hunter Gullickson, who was in this role before me. Yeah, he's amazing. He's now my boss, <laughs> uh, the leader of our guest services team. Um, he, he did a lot in his tenure, um, of the previous 15 or so odd years in really enhancing some of the services that we'd had in place for decades. So, that includes uh, uh, our uh, uh, access performances. So we have for each show, every season, we have ex uh, specific access performances. So at least 
At least two shows have ASL interpretation. At least two shows have audio description for folks who are blind or low vision. Um, this year, I think we bumped it up to every show has at least four open captioned performances. And then our newest um, accessibility performance, access performance, is our relaxed performance. Um, that started in 2018. I was involved with its creation when I was working elsewhere as an outside consultant. And that's a that's a performance where we are, um, where we intentionally modify some production elements, um, but more than anything, uh, add a, a lot of additional resources um, to make sure that folks, disabled folks, especially neurodivergent folks, so autistic folks, ADHDers like myself, um, and so on and so forth, folks, or and or anybody who just isn't comfortable in a traditional formal theater setting, you know, where you're expected to sit silently in, in your seat without moving for two hours, whatever, that we we change some things, we relax the rules and we make it uh, so that folks can come and be as they are in the audience. So again, so four different types of access performances. In addition to that, we, we do a ton of, there's just, there we have a lot of everyday accessibility services available. Um, every performance, any patron has the opportunity to, um, you know, pick up a large print or braille program. Uh, we have assistive listening devices that folks um, can use to enhance the audio. Um, if, you know, if that's something that might be a benefit. Uh, we have courtesy wheelchairs. We have uh, we have a ton of online resources uh, for folks who have never been to the Guthrie and don't know what to expect and are anxious about the rules and things like that. So uh, again, I am just stepping into this tradition that Hunter really fostered, but has been uh, a, a priority top down from uh, Joe Hodge, our artistic director and our senior leadership. Uh, we have as one of our core values at the Guthrie um, under similarly to y'all at, at Forward Theater, um, diversity, equity and inclusion and accessibility is explicitly named there so that, um, you know, that that we are not only putting on shows that reflect the, the wide variety of human experience, but making sure that anybody who comes to the Guthrie in any capacity has the means and supports to have a meaningful experience on their own terms. Wonderful. I, I, I love that quote. I, I am proud of what forward is doing um and samara talked talked to us a little bit about about our initiatives sure um robin so much of what you just said resonates with me as i've and forward theater has started this journey on exploring what's available and and how to prioritize so i'm thrilled to hear some of what you're saying so at the beginning of 2022 we started what we're calling internally our 2022 accessibility plan and it and it, it it came out of some learnings that we've all been doing in in some areas of EBI and also accessibility and so it was comprised of four pieces four components the first one was internal investigation so really kind of checking in with ourselves and doing a lot of learning um what do we already have where are we where are the gaps 
Um, the next one was that we looked at was services, um, sort of our outline of it, services. So some of what you've just talked about, Robin, about ASL shows and open captioning. And then the third piece was relationships and, and really prioritizing yes. our time to grow authentic relationships and build trust in our community and to know, right, Robin, that it would, that it takes time and, and to learn how to listen more and talk less and don't make assumptions. And that for me in 2022 has been the the greatest piece, the, the, the most fulfilling piece of this, listening to our audience members and getting specific on, on what could they use, you know, what works, what doesn't work. And then the last piece is is fascinating and a little more complex. I think it's the intersectionality piece of disability, disability rights, oh, yes. right? And um, and working with people of color and working with you know seniors and 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 so so that's a little more in our future. But but just for a sec to talk about the learning because this is where the connection comes with Robin and the Guthrie. So at the beginning of the year, what we did as a staff was we compared seventeen theaters across the whole country. And we looked only at their websites to see what is available to the public, let's say a stranger engaging with the theater, typically your website and your accessibility page is that 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 first step. And then we broke it down into four parts. We um, we had our auditory, visual, mobility, and then venue and ticketing. Then we kind of went through and saw what exists. What are, what are what are the most common services that theaters are doing? And then we ranked them and we looked to see who's doing what and, and how, how do we stack up? And it was fascinating. And I'll tell you, the Guthrie came up as tops. Yeah. Your all work right. is, it's, it's so transparent. And you have like all them. categories. Oh, like I love Guthrie. that. Yes. That's right. So I said, well, I obviously I have to go. So I, I went to visit uh, the Guthrie for the first time. I saw Emma. I met Robin. You were so welcoming and wonderful. And I just since, you know, so we've we've looked at a lot of different theater companies that are doing great work. Goodman is doing great work. The People's Light. There are lots of um, lots of theaters across the country. Um and I also think it's important to support our local neighbors. So having you so close, Robin, uh, in Minneapolis is great. So yeah, so we so now so then the next step was okay of all those twenty two accessibility services that we found across those four areas, what can we do? How do we prioritize? How do we budget? Mm -hmm. What can we implement now or already are doing? So that came to things like, like you said, Robin, um, large print brochures and. Um, Increasing signage. So some of what we have on that more everyday level that Robin was talking about were making sure we had armless chairs in in our space at the overture, um, a wheelchair downstairs because we're in the lower level of the overture. So the um, we're a tiny bit isolated from the main info desk. So what do we have? Um, signage, making sure we have signage of what accessibility services are offered, magnification tools. Um, we created a little instruction handout for our assistive listening devices so that they could take it with them, right? And go, okay, here's the power button and the volume and sit down and test it out. So I'm learning that there are so many small things that can help in big ways. Um, so those are some of the examples of what we've now implemented and and what we're excited for some of the other big ones are uh communicating figuring out how do you communicate mm -hmm. what you offer right so you have 
like we've for this past show for feeding Beatrice is the first time that we have an accessibility section in our playbill. Oh, uh, yay. And then you've got signage outside of that info desk at the theater with the icons just to continue to. And then, of course, ch- uh, updating our website and making sure that that stays current, which we have a goal at the end of the year to have a, a really robust accessibility site. And then the, th- the biggest thing that we're the most excited about that we have been able to implement um, consistently for the first time is an ASL interpreted show. And yeah. so for every production, we have one ASL interpreted performance um, and it's been really wonderful. And boy, I just have to say to your point earlier, Robin, of so many moving parts Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I love thinking about the big learning moments, you know, the, the learning curves, the, the wins and the challenges. And one of our one of the things that I was not expecting was how many moving parts there would be in making sure that the ASL show was accessible to people yep. who needed it right to our deaf and the hard of hearing community and not making it more complicated to book a ticket. Yes. So, and that's why accessibility It can it cannot be an afterthought because to do it right, you have to do. And what I I want to reflect on briefly is I am so enamored and impressed by your approach here. Uh, You don't have to be a, a big landmark theater to do this work although i will say it certainly helps um i <laughs> love the resources that i have but i've worked um you know before i was at the guthrie i was uh, worked at the autism society of minnesota and was a prime one of my main uh, roles was to consult with arts organizations of every size of every stripe and you can do this work um at with it's not easy when you have a bare bones staff or you know a skeleton staff and a bare bones budget but you can still do the work when it's done with intention and with planning and with authentic relationships i'm so glad you named that as a fundamental piece of the work that you're doing um i will say that the disability community is i mean it's it's the largest minority in the world it's hugely heterogeneous and it's also been uh, one that there's so much um, there's real work to be done in building trust because of the way that disabled folks ha- have been marginalized in, and treated and uh, and been passed over in, ter- uh, in favor of what not, um, abled folks think that we need, you know. And mm-hmm. so building trust and building meaningful relationships is part of that intentional work that you build in from the outset. You know, you have to continually prove um, that that you are willing to do the work and that you're going to be intentional yet flexible with it. Right. Because uh, if I could say there's any lesson, any fundamental lesson to learn from about accessibility is if you're in this position of providing services is you're going to mess it up. It's it's inevitable. And and any time that somebody takes the time to call you out uh, on a mistake or whatever, that's a gift. That is a, a sign that somebody thinks that you care at least enough to hear somebody's opinion that they trust that you might want to do better. Um, so everything you were just saying, Samara, is just like, yes, yes, good. Well, right. And Robin, what you just said, it, it it's true across any um, any of our idea work, 
you know, equity with with our anti-racism work or working with people of color and just just, you know, we are going to mess up, as you say, and that gift of of people who, you know, you know that that there's at least enough of a nugget of respect or trust if they take the time to correct us. And then we learn how to grow and move forward. That's happened to me so many times in the last few years. And I'm and I and I try to see that as an opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I, I will. Yeah. And I will say, too, that sometimes, you know, and this I think is uh, really important to note with disabled folks is that sometimes the 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 form of the message is going to be make make you feel defensive sometimes people might be uh, it might feel like people are attacking you or lashing out and not being productive with it and regardless of what that person's intent is i still treat it as an opportunity um and i think it's especially important again when working with disabled and especially neurodivergent communities who who, who might not have the perfect tone or the perfect social graces or whatever to phrase um, their discomfort or displeasure. That it's, it's something that takes discipline to kind of unlearn your own defensiveness to that. And I think that's really vitally important. And that translates to working with other marginalized folks. I just wanted to name that specifically for neurodivergent people who are uh, we are frequently dismissed because we don't communicate perfectly what we need. And so just wanted to actively name that. Um, and again, it's it's a discipline, but it becomes really easier with time to be like, OK, well, that sucked for them. Let's make it not suck for the next person in that position. Mm-hmm. Well, going forward, what do you see is the future of accessibility and how does it change? What happens? What does it look like? I, Robin, I would I would love to jump in on this because I have a yeah, I, you please might do. Have, you might have a great reaction to to two of my bigger picture goals, which are of course to continue to normalize disabilities and people who are the services that come that are around it. Yes. I think we are I think we are as as an audience, as humans, I think it, it does a service to us who, you know, to, I'm a hearing person who, when I see our interpreters up there storytelling and sharing their expertise with, with people who are deaf or hard of hearing, that helps me be a better human too. And I think it serves all of us to continue to normalize the idea of accessibility services. Um, so that's one thing. And so I think we're all, we'll continue to evolve and grow and 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 build those into the like woven infrastructure of how, as you say, it's not an afterthought. When we do our lighting design, we are designing knowing that there will be two people sitting in these stools interpreting the show. And how do we build yep. that light system? And absolutely move, right. And then and then so so for me, the the two sort of more medium sized goals for our future would be. And and I'm told that this is a logical next step for us would be open captioning and audio description. And I had the good fortune of sitting in with someone um, who who did audio description for the musical Come From Away last week. And it was just fantastic. And I think it's something that we as a theater company can work to provide. And, you know, like I said, like you said, you know, looking at budget and being smart about how about what we have the capacity for. But in the short term, we ha- I have some specific goals, and I think Forward does about continuing to create that foundation of ex- of accessibility services. Um, and I'd love to to toss it over to you, Robin, to 
to really give some perspective on the, the broader future. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you said that. Um, because what I, I, this is a big question on my end and, um, I have, I have a kind of a bigger picture answer, but what you were saying somewhere really bleeds so perfectly into part of my answers. Um, and first of all, just want to, want to say, um, that your point to normalizing accommodations and services. So there's this term in disability circles, it's called the curb cut effect, where you a specific, it's, it means that a specific accommodation. So in this case, a curb cut, meaning um, on the street, you know, that they have a slight ramp leading up to a curb for wheelchair users, that benefits just about everybody, right? Folks who non-wheelchair users, folks who are pushing strollers, people like me who can trip over flat surfaces, right? Um, that's one thing. And uh, the work of that's that's one benefit. That's a big trickle down benefit. Um, but for me, coming from a place where my role really is to continue to build and grow because I am just the next step in this really in incredible again, decades long accessibility history at the Guthrie is to think big, think bigger picture. And so my biggest, I, I have a, a lot of ways I could answer this question, but I think my fundamental focus is this, that in all accessibility work, it has to prioritize the lived experiences of disabled people period, over the, the input of, of abled professionals or researchers or whatever. Not that that information isn't valid, but when it comes down to what are we doing practically every day in our organization to make it welcoming for disabled folks, the best learning, the best information comes from disabled people, period. Let me give you a, a concrete example of this. Um, uh, before I started working at the Guthrie, you know, I, again, I was at the Autism Society and I was, had my, worked a lot with a ton of organizations uh, doing sensory friendly and or otherwise accessible, inclusive programming. And I was working with a really big library system who had this brand new branch that they had designed with very obvious intention and attention to accessibility. I have a good friend of mine who is a, a like he's a wheelchair user, like many wheelchair users. He's ambulatory, meaning that he can he can walk. Um, he but it it's not easy. It is difficult. You know, can't go long distances um, is painful, whatever. So I, I hired him to join me for a program I was running this brand new library that you know, had paid attention to so many details, like having the width of their bookshelf aisles be wide enough for a wheelchair user to, to pass with ease. Within 15 minutes, my friend went to use the restroom and the only ADA accessible restroom in the, in the library itself, it didn't have a push button automatic door opener. So my friend, a wheelchair user, even an ambulatory one, could not use the bathroom without assistance. The architects miss this. This really dedicated, incredible library staff miss it. I didn't notice it, right? So that's what I'm saying. Like, even me, I am a disabled person in a position of leadership. But my disability experience is, I'm only the expert on my disability experience. Uh, again, we are the largest minority, the most heterogeneous minority on the planet. And 
you know, so again, so it, you, you don't know what details you're missing. And these details make a huge difference, right? My friend, even, you know, he did not feel, he couldn't use the bathroom without assistance. You know, that is so infantilizing. And it, a detail like that really, you know, that says a lot. That, that, that ruins a person's experience. And it's another reminder of how disability often is an afterthought. So again, back to this vein of like, we're, it's never going to be perfect. We're never going to get it right. You know, these are the type of mistakes that you learn from all the time. So again, my main point for just big picture stuff, period, that informs every single facet of, of what I do at the Guthrie that what I consult on is that you need to have disabled people leading the way and paying them, paying them fairly and competitively to be providing this input. Um and, you know, again, at the Guthrie, I am a disabled person who is very proud and open and brings these lenses with me. Um, but Samara, I love that you brought up intersectionality because that's another big piece. I am very safe to be loudly, openly disabled. I have a ton of privilege in this, in not only my background, um, but the support that I've always had in my life. And my, I am an outlier, I think, in my experience of the larger disability community as a whole, being somebody who is able to, to survive and thrive um, because of a variety of factors, being white, being cisgender, being um, my disabilities are really non-apparent unless you talk to me for more than five minutes. Um, and so many of the folks that were, that are excluded uh, intentionally or not, are these folks that are, have higher levels of marginalization. You know, those folks that are of racial, um, ethnic, religious, gender minorities, um, folks who are non-speaking or minimally speaking, folks who are more visibly disabled, folks who are institutionalized or under guardianship. You know, these are the people that are still being excluded in any sort of disability space that you find. And so it's it's very important that I, to me, that I name this, that I am a minority in terms of my, my ability to be so out and, and safe in being openly disabled where, and that is mine are the type of folks like me are the voices that tend to dominate these conversations about disability. And so, um, so again, my, my other big focus, and this goes along with too, this idea of of mutual relationships and really building trust is how are we doing this work and how are we intentionally trying, you know, finding ways to make it safe for other disabled people to participate and, and, you know, and, and be valued and be again, fairly compensated for this work. Robin, something you just said reminded me of this, of that notion of, of deep and wide that, you know, we're growing outward and we're growing in depth in, in relationship building, in making sure that we are open and available and, and continuing to do the work as deeply as we can. And also reaching out to people across, I mean, whether it's a particular organization, especially talking to our own audience members and mm -hmm. making sure that, that, that our arms are open and that we're so just willing to listen and learn. And as that happens exponentially, we, we, 
the wheels start just gaining their own momentum. You know, yeah. I have a wonderful person who, who is blind in our audience and they were thrilled at the idea of, of working with us to, to, I love that. Right. To create something. And then that will lead to the next beautiful building block. And then it, I think it, you know, it, entering with humility, continuing to lean on people like yourself who are, who are experts in the field and who are already doing the work and have been, and, and, you know, trusting our amazing colleagues who create space for this. I mean, I, I feel so grateful to forward theater for being willing to create space. I, another real quick piece is the budget, you know, creating yeah. a line item in the budget to account for the, the costs that are here. I'm thinking of people who might be listening going, how could we, how do we get this started? You know, and, and there's so many, so many great, um, so many great takeaways here, creating space, yeah. to learn and be open and the budget for it. Yeah, I love that. I love that framing of deep and wide. And I will say that um, one of the, my favorite things about working with smaller organizations is that I feel like y'all have have the opportunity, at least of an advantage of of, you know, so the Guthrie is has, you know, again, six years, it's a prestige organization, but it has a, a long history of being a very white, very, you know, our patrons for a long time. You know, it's it's one of those that it's already, it's got a feel of being exclusive, you know, and being something for the moneyed class, whatever, you know, white older people basically is what a lot of people think of when they think about the Guthrie. Whereas, you know, community organizations, I think have the opportunity um, in some ways that, you know, it feels a bit more accessible in terms of authenticity and that it's, you know, it's like your neighbors and doing the work and things like that. And so I've really, some of the, I've seen, I've seen really, really small organizations implement, you know, some really simple things. You know, I love that you said signage. I am a signage evangelist. Uh, anybody who's ever heard me train knows that, you know, you can do so much and in a way that, um, you know, I, I think really connects with people and, and being, being a, you know, again, a more theater community base that doesn't have this kind of association. I think that's a real benefit and one to explore. And, um, you know, I just I, I'm excited for y'all. I am so thrilled with your approach and um, and just I think that again, you're, you're approaching this with so much intention that it really impresses me. And that's, that's, that's the key piece is that you're doing it. You have a plan. You're going to be flexible, but you're doing it at every level. And, you know, again, it's not an afterthought, it's a priority. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you, Robin. And we will, we will continue to um, lean on you a little bit as we continue. Heck yeah. Our our accessibility work. Um, it has been such a pleasure mm -hmm. to have you here and Samara always, always yeah. great um, on, you know, to hear, to hear what you're doing and the enthusiasm with which you do it. Thank you. Um, so we could talk for a lot longer, but I think I'm going to have to wrap this up. <laughs> Sounds um, great. And say that um, that's all for this episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Uh, thank you for joining us. I'm Julie Swenson. Our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden. 
And you can follow us or share your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter. That's Theater Forward, as always, with an E-R. And if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in. Um, We are so grateful to have you listening. And we'll be back soon for another Theater Forward Conversation. 